Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Churches that I grew up in, at least in the South, we didn't have instrumentalists. They couldn't afford, as you would say, to pay somebody to come play. A lot of people didn't have education levels to be able to learn how to play an instrument. Some, as we would say, would play by ear. Although there was a man by the name of Dave Reba gave me a whole definition of playing by ear. He literally took off a prosthetic ear and started banging the keys. Playing by ear. But it was spontaneous worship. I grew up in an environment where somebody over there would start a song and you just jump in. Somebody there might start a song and you jump in. Somebody, yes, that was in the choir, as we call it, would start a song and you just jump in. And that's what it means when you're jumping into this river where it's less and less about you. See, some songs are just about the person, but when it comes true worship, it's just about Jesus. It's just about Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. This is why, you know, the theme that we started in January says, in 2022, it's just going to be all about you, Jesus. And from the rising of the sun, the Bible says, even instead of going down to the same, what should we be doing? Praising. The Bible says, when you enter in, enter into his gates with what? Aren't you thankful today? If you're just thankful, just lift your hands to God and just tell him what you're thankful for. Tell God. Don't tell me. Tell God. What are you thankful for this morning? Come into his presence with thanksgiving. If you're thankful for being able to get up this morning, I certainly am. I'm thankful. If you're thankful for good health, tell God, I'm thankful. If you're thankful for your children, tell God, I'm thankful. If you're thankful for something that you know you couldn't have done in your own strength and ability and you know it was God on your side, then say it with your mouth. The Bible says the redeemed of the Lord, they say so. They just say it. They just say it. They don't wait for somebody to pump them. They don't wait for somebody to, to have to encourage them. They get up and they encourage themselves and they get encouraged by knowing that they have a great God who is greatly to be praised, that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his court with praise, praising God for who he is and that he never changes. He is the same yesterday today, today, and forevermore. God blesses us when we get up. God blesses us when we go through our day. God blesses us when we lay our head down and don't even know what's going on around us. God, you keep blessing us. And you're blessing us right now. Right now, God's blessing you. Right now, God is surrounding you with his favor like a shield. Right now, God is causing the enemy to have to flee. Did you know the enemy had plans for you today? But when you let God arise, the Bible says the enemies are scattered. See, when you let praise arise, the Bible says you put on a garment like this, it says it lifts the spirit of heaviness. And I have to tell you, and I think you know, 
The spirit of heaviness has been all around us. People that we love, people that we, we would just thought would be forever. You know, you look over there and you say, I will see her, I will see him, I will see them, but they're gone. Not, not lost. I, I, I always hear people say, we, we, have a, we lost a loved one. You didn't lose them. You didn't lose them. When they're in Christ, they're never lost. They're saved. They're redeemed. They're absent from their body, but they're present with the Lord. Not lost. And sometimes you have to remind yourself. The Bible says literally even speak to yourself. And he says speak to yourself in what? Song. Him. Spiritual song. Making melody in your heart. Who? To the Lord. Just sometimes I think we're singing to each other. But not unto the Lord. I think sometimes we come in and we think people are singing to us. But you've got to sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. He says a new song. And sometimes that's where you just, you don't know where the song is coming from. You don't even know where the music is coming from. Sometimes, see, see, you're going to play songs on that piano that you didn't even know. You said, I never heard this a day in my life, but it's Christ. You know, when, um, oh, help me, Pat. Tennessee, he came here. Ben Tanker. And Ben Tanker, when he was here, and I, I don't know if he shared with you his testimony. Ben Tanker didn't start out as a pianist. Ben Tanker started out as a basketball player because you know what happens when you're tall. Everybody say, you ought to play basketball. And he started out and he was pretty good in basketball. Pretty good that he got a, a, a scholarship to go to college. And after college, he got drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. First year, didn't play. Knee gone. Rehab for a whole year. Second year, came back. Of the knee gone. Do you know that when knee one and knee two, left knee, right knee go, NBA has no use of you. Paycheck stop. And so there was Ben Tanker, great basketball star in college, great basketball star getting drafted by the NBA. And then Ben, I think Ben was sitting on this stage when he told you, he said, my next job was a dog catcher. You know, the pound? That's who he worked for. That's the only job he felt like he could get. That's the only thing that people were hiring him to do. And he says, I was hungry a lot of days. Ben, I hope you're watching because I'm telling your testimony. <laughs> and he said this, that I was hungry. Come a weekend, he was hungry. He heard about a church that served food. They'd actually feed you before they preached to you. Isn't that amazing? Most people say, no, I'm going to preach to you, then I feed you. He said, no. Jesus was like that. Did you realize that Jesus fed people before he preached to them because he knew they were hungry? And he said, I, and, and I got, he said, I got my stomach full. I ate, y'all know what we cooked. They cooked chicken. He ate a lot of chicken. They ate a lot of mac and cheese and other stuff that they had. And then he went on into the sanctuary. And the pastor had a prophetic word. He says, come here, young man. Sit down at the piano. Sit down at the piano. Ben sat out at the piano, never played the piano a day in his life, and started to play. Ben opens most of the time, if you all follow Joel Osteen, if you ever go to one of his concerts, the person who's going to lead praise and worship is generally Ben Tanker. And Ben started to play. Ben played so well 
that he, he, he you know, truly he surprised himself because he's never sat at a piano to play before. And he was playing. God can do anything, folks. God is never limited. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for God. Some of you are about to get blessed today like you've never been blessed before. Some of you are going to be overtaken with the blessings of the Lord that are going to come over you and overtake you. Goodness and the mercy that he talks about will follow you. You're going to find it following you all day long. And Ben was blessed like that. And so after he still was a dog catcher. But in the evening after he was finished catching dogs putting them in the pound, he'd go by a piano store and start playing. And when he started to play, you know what happened? Somebody came in and they were about to buy a piano. And the salesmen were there trying to sell them this particular piano. And they heard Ben over there playing and the person said, I want that piano that he's playing. The salesman sold that piano without even having to try. And he said to Ben, I want to give you a job. So Ben would just go to the store and play. Do you know that God wants you to put to application what he gives you spiritually? And so now he's playing the piano. And then I try to minimize this or condense this, I should say. You know how they say scouts come in? He saw Ben. I laugh because Ben says this, and I'll say what he said. He says, I was a millionaire before I even knew I was a millionaire. That's how blessed Ben got. Why? Because God did something miraculous. Expect miracles. Say, I'm expecting a miracle today. Expect a miracle. Don't come into the house of God with a, a, anything other than, I'm expecting a miracle today. Expect a miracle today. Expect the power of God to flow in your life today. Expect God to do something. Look at your neighbor and say, you're about to get blessed. You're about to get blessed this morning. God is a God that's still blessing his people, doing exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or even think. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead and sit down for just a moment. I want to take you through a scripture. Wow. Those of you at home, I hope you're, just, you're flowing right with us. Get your Bibles. I'm going to take you to an Old Testament scripture, and I think you, I want you to see it from this perspective. This is how I'm looking at it. We have, as New Testament believers, the Bible says, a new and a better covenant. But let me just show you how good it was even in the Old Testament so that you can know that you've got it even better. You've got it even better. If you'll go in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, they're going to put that on the screen, I believe. But 2 Chronicles chapter 31, I'm going to start in the first verse. It says, now, when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke the sacred pillars in pieces, cut down the wooden images, and they began to throw away all things that were really just idols. Verse 2, if you'll skip down to verse 2, it says, And Hezekiah, who was at that time the priest, Hezekiah appointed the divisions of priests and the Levites according to their divisions, each man according to his service, and the priests and the Levites 
for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve, to give thanks, and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possession for the burnt offering, for the morning and the evening burnt offering, and the burnt offerings for the Sabbath and the new moons and the set feast as it is written in the law of the Lord. And moreover, verse 4, he commanded the people who dwell in Jerusalem to contribute. Do you understand that I'm, 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 I'm about to ask you to contribute? The king, Hezekiah, began to ask the people to contribute, to make a contribution for support of the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And at verse 5, and as soon as the commandment was circulated, everybody say, as soon as. as, soon as. Come on, say it again, as soon as. Can you tell me what that means? As soon as they heard this, what happened? They took action. It was immediately. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought the abundance, the first fruit of grain, of wine, of oil, and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundance the tithes of everything. God is still a God of tithes and offering, and I know people was even teach, and I've heard teachings today say, well, that was under the law, that was under the law. How many know God has not changed? God has not changed in terms of what he does and what he wants from his people to say to him, Lord, I honor you as my father. Come on, say, our father. Say it again, our father. We're celebrating Father's Day, and the greatest example of a father is our God, our heavenly father. Yes, he wants us to acknowledge. Yes, he wants us to honor earthly fathers. But you really won't truly honor an earthly father if you won't honor your heavenly father. And the heavenly father is giving direction to the king that the people should bring. And they brought it in abundance. Next scripture, if you could put me out for it, is what happened. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithes of the oxen, the sheep, and also the tithes of the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord, their God. The Bible says they laid it up in heaps. Come on, ushers, bring the, bring the containers. This morning, we're just going to lay it up in heaps. We're just going to lay it up in heaps. Why? God has blessed us. Folks, I don't know if you've ever been watching, and, and, and if you didn't know, I, I majored in accounting, and, 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 and I... I all of this, the studies in economy and economics and, and this economic plan of God by economic standards of the world shouldn't work. But it's the only thing that is working right now. How many of you realize that the economy of the, 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 the nations and the vice of men is not working? But God's economic plan for our lives works. The Bible says if you give, it's going to be given to you. The Bible says it's going to come to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, should men give unto your bosom. And so people started to bring it in heaps. Go to the next scripture. And it says, when Hezekiah, the leader, came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord, they blessed the Lord, and his people Israel. See, when you bless the Lord, you get blessed. Go to verse 9. I want to get down to verse 10. Go to verse 9, if you, if you would. I'm sorry, Alfred, I, I'm I may have given you eight verses, but uh, nine and ten would help us too. When you bless the Lord, 
The Lord blesses you. The Lord blesses you. And so the question to us this morning, have we truly come, and I believe you did as you entered into worship and praise this morning, you are indicating that you've come to bless the Lord. You're not coming to bless a pastor. You're not coming to bless a church. You're not coming to bless even your community. You're coming to bless the Lord. And the Lord will bless all of those things and all of those entities that you want to see blessed. I don't believe that anything is holding up our world and the economic uh, 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 foundation of this world except for people who understand when they give, they cause things from heaven to flow. And I want the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to never forget that Something spiritual is happening. I, I know you were probably one of those people, or you heard people say, uh, you know, if gas prices get to be this. I remember when we were watching it go up to 99 cents. And I heard my own father say, if gas get to be a dollar, we're going to have to start walking. Some of you can't even remember when it was a dollar. See, I go back all the way to old school and I can remember it was a quarter. A gallon of gas was 25 cents. And I could put a dollar's worth in and ride. A dollar's worth in my car today won't even create a smell. <laughs> but you know, I'm still riding. You still riding. We still riding because our God is still providing. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches, not the riches of this world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle of a thousand hills. And if you didn't know, the hills belong to him too. So God's got you. And I think we would learn from this Old Testament scripture how even with an old covenant, the people bless God in heaps. With a new and a better covenant, we ought to be doing the same and reaping the same kind of benefits or even greater benefits than they did. Let the Lord bless you as you choose this morning to bless him. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for their attentiveness to your word. I thank you, Father, just like those that we just read about. As soon as the word was circulated, they began to bring in what God has directed them to do. I thank you, Father, we've heard your word, and we're going to respond in like fashion, Father blessing you. Bless, they blessed so much that Hezekiah had to say, what is this? And they said, this is the excess. This is the excess. Father, thank you for taking people over into the excess. Exceeding abundantly above all they have asked or even thought, God. Things that their mind has not yet even conceived. Ears have not yet even heard. And Lord, bless them. And may we all keep in mind, we're blessed so that we can be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you, those who are online, give. I know that you will go to the menu in that area of giving. Those that are here, you come and you bring your tithes and your offering. Amen. Lord, you are good.
Hallelujah. I believe somebody agreed that God is good, isn't he? He surely is. And God will always do better for you than you can do for yourself. You can take that to the bank. Amen. Glory to God. Go ahead and be seated for just a minute. Let me just cover a couple of things and move out of the way. There's a, a special guest here with us this morning that's going to bring the word. A month ago, approximately a month ago, I was uh, in my office and I was going through a schedule and just asking the Lord, okay, Lord, how does this remainder of the year flow? And there's something that the Lord wants me to do this year, and that is to continue to develop the leaders around us and to also help me in my walk to develop the leader that is within me. And so in doing so, I was scheduling various ministers in the church for uh, particular Sundays that I was going to ask them to step up and to minister the word. And uh, you can never develop your sons and daughters if you don't give them opportunities in the pulpit. Uh, and helping them to see this is how we pull people out of the pit. It is with the word of God. But, you know, Father's Day. I said, okay, I'll be preaching Father's Day. And I got up from my office and I walked back into what is now the pantry area, we formerly called the chapel. And there was a man back there working. And the Lord said, he has a word for Father's Day. Now, one of the things that I've shared, when you hear the voice of God, you, it's an impression. There is no audible voice coming to me. It's an impression. And as soon as I see him, that impression says he has the word. Now, see, I didn't know that I would be preaching Valerie's funeral. I didn't know that I would be dealing with my brother-in-laws. I didn't know that two of my classmates would die one after the other the same day within one hour. And it's like, Lord. And don't give me all that old craziness about, you know, death comes in a certain amount of numbers. It's just death. It's just death. And death takes a toll on you. Yesterday, I literally was bawling in my office, and I knew I had to preach the funeral. And I said, I can't preach the funeral cry. Because I knew... You know, some of you knew that Valerie wasn't just a member. Valerie was a very, very, very close friend. And we're talking over three decades, almost four decades of fellowship and relationship. And so it's hard when you're preaching a funeral for somebody that you know, and they're very close. People that you've, you've sat down in your home and you've broken bread with and, and you talk life. You, you know, I'm not talking weather. I'm not talking sports. I'm talking about life and life in Christ. And so yesterday morning, I thought I had it together until I, uh, they put a program on my, my desk and her picture, and it's like, this speaks to finality. This speaks to reality. Now, I won't be able to see her again until I get there. And so it hit me. It hit me really hard. And it's important for you when you hear God's voice to respond to it. You remember how the mother of Jesus said to the, the disciples or the people at the wedding, this is the first miracle, and we're expecting a miracle today, aren't we? Amen. But at that 
coming or that manifestation of that miracle, she had already said, whatever he says to do, do it. And so that day, the Lord said, he has a message. And I said, okay. And what an appropriate time, because I don't know if you all can tell it, but I'm tired. I am just tired. I want to see the glory of God. I think Moses, when he went to the mountaintop, he just said, God, I'm tired. And that's why he asked God. He said, I want to see the, come on, you would be tired walking in the wilderness with people rebelling and people upset and people just saying all kinds of things, yet they have seen the hand of God before. But now they're getting selfish and they're getting, and he was just tired and says, God, I got to see your glory. You remember what Moses said to God? He said, if you don't move, if your glory don't go before us, I'm not going. And God let him know, Moses, here's how it's going to be. My glory, my glory is going to go before you. My glory is going to be all around you. My glory is going to be behind you. And you know what? I'm going to give you a glimpse of it. And you're just going to see even what's behind me will help people to realize how great, how great, how great is our God. Come on, anybody serve a great God? You know you serve a great God? And that's great God, the Bible says, is greatly to be praised. He's greatly to be praised. I, I'm not here to preach a message because I know the man of God has a message. I just, I just want to hear the Holy Ghost tell me, sit down. <laughs> but he, here's what I do want you to know. Fathers, we truly appreciate you. All the men in the house stand. All the men in the house stand. All the men in the house stand. That's right. Give them an applause. Give them an applause. These are for fathers and fathers to be. God wants you to know you are loved. God wants you to know you are appreciated. God wants you to know that sometimes you are misunderstood. Look, I look at television sometimes, and they always want to seem to make the father to be something stupid. You know, I, ever since I saw that animated thing with, uh, you know, what is his name, Bart Simpson, Homer was just stupid. They made him look stupid. They made him act stupid. And it's a reflection of them saying, this is what men are. Men are just stupid. They are just beer gugglers. They are just stupid. We're not that. Men, raise your hand to God and say, thank God I'm not what the world says that I am. I am what the Word says that I am. I'm going to do what the Word says I can do. I'm going to live the way the Word says I can live. I'm going to give the way the Word tells me I can give. I'm going to sow. I'm going to serve. I'm going to sacrifice whatever is necessary to fulfill my calling as a man of God. God. And so, men, I applaud you. I thank you. I thank you, uh, congregation, for applauding men. Because there's so much I feel in our society that are putting men down. And God is saying, that's not how I see them. And it was not because somebody signed something and said, we're going to make this a national holiday. It's because Jesus bled and died to make you who you are more than a conqueror, the head and not the tail, above and never beneath in the name of Jesus. Amen? 
Give them another hand clap, would you? God bless you, men. You may be seated. This comes also in conjunction with a day that I don't want us to just hear it but not understand what it means. You know, in 1862, or 1863, actually, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. But you do, you know, it was two years later before people were actually free. Slavery is one of the ugliest stain in American history. It really is. Human beings treating other human beings like they were less than an animal. Beating them at will, forcing them to work without any compensation. Living in squander, living in chains. When you go to the African American Museum, I cannot get past floor two. I haven't ever got up to the top yet. Because when I start at the bottom, I know that they're helping me to see we came in chains. Uh, we realize that some of the fetters are chains for little children. Trapped in the bottom in your own feces, traveling over the ocean so that you can be sold on a block. Family separated. People are still trying to find and connect to their ancestry because of this grievous, sinful, ungodly thing that came to the minds of men. That somehow a man would own another individual. And I'm thankful. But we're, I'm thankful that also this, I think there were a number of people who knew you may have me in fetters and chains, but I'm free. How many of you know whom the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. And this is why sometimes when I listen to some of the old, what they call uh, spirituals, sometimes their name was put Negro spirituals. You can hear a moaning and a groaning in them. You know, the Bible says sometimes when you, you don't even know what to pray or what to say, it's done with moaning and groaning. And, and sometimes when I'm listening and I just take time to listen to some of those old songs. See, sometimes, young people, we want to cast everything out that's old. No, you don't. Some, some of you got to go back and, and just say, Lord, help me to hear what the Spirit is saying. Don't let me just kind of get to the beat. Don't let me just kind of get to uh, various things that is in my day and culture. Go back and ask God, how did my ancestors make it over? And so Juneteenth, folks, I don't want you to just say, oh, federal holiday. Three-day weekend. No. Yes, they, they would say to you in Galveston, Texas, a man by the name of Conrad rode in on a horse and he said to the slave, you're free. No, they were already free. The blood of Jesus has set us free. And you know what? When you know Jesus, nobody can hinder you. When you know Jesus, Kathy Hughes would say this, and, and Kathy Hughes is a, a radio mogul, but Kathy Hughes would always say this, her late Dick, Dick Gregory said, knowledge is power, but it's that kind of knowledge, the kind of knowledge where the people of God know their God. It's like the Hebrew boys, you remember them? Those three Hebrew boys, what are their names? Do not say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know their names, don't you? Ananiah? 
Mishael? I gave you two. <laughs> the reason I try to educate in that is that's why those boys were being put in the furnace because they wanted to change their name to that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So don't ever say that. Don't, you, you, you dishonored them when you used those names because those boys were willing to go into the fire because they trusted their God. They knew they were already free. I want you to know that Juneteenth is a day where I, I, I'm just going to encourage you, read your history. We are now in a day and age in our society when we are demanding that history tell the whole story. This nation didn't get built by just one ethnicity. Diversity is never a weakness. It's always a strength. The church cannot be one color. Heaven is not going to be that way. Fred Price used to always challenge me with a statement that he would make. He says, if you got to heaven, and God says, I want all of the black people to get over here in this corner. I want all the white people to get over in that corner. I want all of the Asian people to get in that corner. I want all the, the Latin people, you get in that corner. But I want all of the Christians to get in the middle. Which one are you going to get in? In the middle. I feel like singing that song now. In the middle. Y'all don't know, even know the song that I'm talking about, huh? In the, I'm getting in the middle. And I'm going to let Jesus get into the center of my heart. Keep Jesus in the center of your heart, and you will love everyone. You really will. Today, you're going to love someone that God has brought in our midst. Now, in my neighborhood, there are people that um, I interact with them in different ways. You all know, I, I, it's not because I like to cut grass, but I will cut grass. And there are neighbors that I cut their grass because it allows me to witness to them. I go all the way down the first street sometimes, a block away from my house, cut grass. But I realized that when I was doing that, it was a young couple, you know, I have three kids, that needed help. And how many of you remember when you got your first home? Taking all your money to make that mortgage. And the Lord said, go help them. You can walk around all day talking about you exercising. You can get your exercise pushing this mower. It's self-propelled anyway. And so I would do it. And I had a corner lot. But now I love the fellowship I have with them. I love the fellowship that I have now with their three children. Noah, Alani, Elliot. Wonderful family. There is a man, he's Hindu. He owns another corner lot. I said, Lord, why do you give me the corner lots? And I'll go cut his grass. But now I am opening my Bible with a man who owns a corner lot. Because I go cut his grass. It really needs cutting right now. But <laughs> I cut his grass. And then there's a neighbor on the right side of my house and a neighbor on the left side. Neighbor, if I'm facing him, I'm kind of doing this. If I look here, that neighbor I talked to about cars. I talked to him a lot about 7-Eleven, because that's where his office is. 
He goes down there, get a cup of coffee, and stays down there for two hours. You can come back home and watch the young and the restless. <laughs> and so I have small talk. But all that small talk, I want one day to get to the point where we have this deep and large conversation about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's a, my other neighbor. You're about to meet him right now. But I don't have small talk. I think every conversation that we've had is about the things of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God. And I want you to stand because I want to honor him as a father and I also want to honor him as a man of God as he comes and breaks the bread of life. His name is Dr. Michael Jones. Amen. Give him a warm welcome as he comes. And his wife, Altheria, you come with him. You've met Altheria. She preached on Mother's Day a year ago right here. So both of you come and uh, just say hello to the congregation. You got a handheld? All right, we're going to take this one right here. You got me, Alfred? Oh, Phyllis got you. I'm going to give you this one then, Doc, and you take the other one, Al. All right, come on. I'll get out of the way, put my mask on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's such an honor to be here today, and happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. And I just thank and praise God for another day for the set man of this house, Pastor Drumming, amen, mighty man of God. And, and for First Lady, Pastor Pat, I thank God for you. And I just want to say, you know, I just want to make this quick. When Pastor Horace came to my husband, I had told him that morning, I said to him, I said, come on, let's go serve. And he just looked, I said, come on, let's go serve. And he said, okay, let's go. And I told him, I said, the Lord's going to bless today. And he just looked at me. And it was not soon after we had gotten here, maybe 20 minutes later, that's when Pastor Horace came through. And I just looked at him, I said, God is good. Amen. God bless all of you. Amen. Grace and peace be on each and every one of you from God the Father and the Lordship of Jesus the Christ. As Peter said, it is good that we be here. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Notice I said grace and peace be unto you. And I said in that order because you can't have God's peace until the grace is first applied. That's why throughout the epistles, the apostles always say it's grace and peace in that order. We also give honor to each and all, uh, every father that's here today and those who may not be a biological father, but you serve as a God's father. You serve as a step-in dad. We want to honor you, stepdads as well. We want to honor you this glorious Father's Day. I take a moment also to give honor to the two people that are the under-shepherds of this great ministry, no other than Pastor Horace and Pastor Pat, we honor them because we couldn't ask for any better neighbors, I'm being honest. I seriously mean that. They are just, just like you see them here, that's how they are in the neighborhood. Pastor Horace, just doing, just going and doing, and sometimes I look at him like, take a break, bro, <laughs> because he's just always, he's always doing something. So sometimes my wife would tell you, when I see his truck come, I smile, because I said, okay, he's about to 
hopefully they go to take a break. So I honor them because they are very special. They are very special to us. They are, you've heard me say they're special to everyone in the neighborhood, but they're really special to us. They are like our adopted family. I honor Pastor Horace specifically for a purpose of, he's, he's, I call him my spiritual mentor in terms of pastoral. I get asked a lot of questions. God knows I do. No disrespect. I put a lot of them on my ministry site intentionally for people to say, all right, here's the best answer I can give you for that question. And sometimes I'm honored to say I go to that man of God and say, people ask me about so-and-so. I want to make sure I tell them correctly. What do you think? What, how do you see it? And he, he just opened his mouth wide, praise God, let the Holy Spirit fill him with, uh, with revelation knowledge. And it uh, make me feel like, okay, good, we're on the same page. Then I feel good. Because I told my wife, I said, I don't, all the questions, I, I don't want to tell anyone anything, and I have to go back and change it when it's done, gone throughout friends, sharing with friends. So I try to be as concise and precise as I can when I answer questions. So I'm grateful that the man of God is next door. I mean it with, and the Holy Spirit told me to say that. I mean that with every ounce of breath in my nostrils. My colleagues know when I say that, it means something. My friends told me, I feel the anointing. My friends say my words are like a promissory note. That's how you is. That's how you was out to me. And I appreciate you. AJ, you never you know I never could say enough about you. Spiritually and naturally. You are definitely a great help me, and I mean that with all of my heart. All right, my friends know that I'm one of those Bible teachers that get right to the point. <laughs> my friends say I'm very, like I say, very concise, so I'm not long-winded. But whatever I give you, trust me, it'll stick to you. Today, praise God, I want to talk about a father's love. And if some of the things I talk about today, Pastor Horace has already mentioned them. So if I say something, I see you guys looking at him, I'll know that you are aware also that he said that. Gracious one, your servant is here by divine appointment. Like I told AJ, couldn't be anywhere else but here because of the ordination of the Holy Spirit. Father God, help me to decrease as you increase. Help them see very little of me, and yet you speaking through these clay lips. We take authority this day over every spirit that's not of God that would try to rise up against us. We destroy their yokes of bondage, and we cast them into dry places. We take spiritual hand grenades, and we pull the pins. And we throw one to the north, south, east, and west and destroy everything that Satan, his demonic forces, have set in motion. Holy Spirit, you are here this day, just like you are already into tomorrow. Help me today to say something that would increase hearts and minds. Father God, thank you today for the people of God being here to hear the word of God. You know, we give you praise and honor for each and everything. Jesus, reveal yourself to us today through sacred scripture and ways in which we've not known you before. Hey, gracious one, if you would do this for us, we will be ever so careful just to say thanks. And all God's people said amen. Well, pastor was asking me uh, what 
uh, Bible edition. We're going to stick with the King James, even though occasionally I like to use the NIV. So what I want you to do is, I'm what you call the systematic theologian. I like to stick with specifically what I'm teaching on. So I want you to go to Luke 15 chapter, verses 20 through 24. Even though occasionally I'll mention another verse from some other book, but we all, we're going to camp out there in Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24. And what's so unique about this, and that's why I honored Pastor this morning when he spoke uh, the words of encouragement to each and every one of us. We love to talk about the prodigal son, and that's what this is dealing with. But I love to go, not look at surface, but go down underneath to really see what God is saying. So sometimes people ask me a question. I say, stop looking at the surface of the scripture. Go underneath and see what is God trying to tell us. And so that's my assignment today. And, and Pastor Horace has blessed me by, by touching on some of the same things I'm going to tap into today. So starting with chapter 15, like I said, Luke 15. You just camp there. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull out some of those verses. We're going to exegete those verses. We're going to give you the expository understanding, and then we're going to call it a day. I know some of you want to spend quality time with your fathers, stepfathers, and goddads, and we're going to give you that opportunity. Saints, what we want to do today is look at the need of a father's love in the earth realm, and then we want to take a look at God's love as he is our father. Now, men... They spend an average of about $16 billion a year on Father Day gifts. Woohoo! But don't get too excited because they spend $30 billion plus on mothers. So you mothers, you, the Holy Spirit honors me to say you mothers, have y'all have a secret thing with, 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 with the children and with men. Again, I love statistics. I worked 34 years as a senior economic statistician, so my wife would tell you, she'll say, show me the numbers. <laughs> So $16 billion on men, about $30 plus billion annually on women. So we honor you women as well, praise God. Amen. So renowned Howard University uh, political scientist, we're talking about Dr. Stephen Baskerville. He made up uh, a, a theory that's pronounced by many top researchers and scientists who discovered the same thing. And that is fatherhood is rapidly becoming the number one social policy issue in America. Saints, again, as my wife would say, follow the numbers, 60% of black households are run by the woman. It's about 31% for Hispanics. 60%, and we will always say, where are the men? 60%. Now, in this area, and in most areas, if you look at the numbers, most black men, I hate to say this, and I'm saying it in love, and the Holy Spirit knows my heart, they have been involved in one of these three Ps, parole, probation, or in prison. So we sometimes ask, where are the men? So during this period of time, President Bill Clinton made a statement. He said, the single biggest social problem in our society may be the growing absence of fathers from their children's homes. Saints, when he made that statement, shortly thereafter, Congress created a task force to look into how to promote fatherhood. That became so successful that President Bush, he put $315 million in an initiative entitled Responsible Fatherhood. 
Saints' fatherhood is seen as the most serious social problem by almost 80% of people that were interviewed. 80% said it's definitely their fathers, their homeless. And it was done by the Gallup poll. And if some of you know who George Gallup is, when he, remember the old cliche, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen? I know, like the pastor would say, some of you older may remember E.F. Hutton being a brokerage firm. And I love their cliche. Think about it. Remember like Nike say, just do it. E.F. Hutton was, whatever E.F. Hutton says, you listen because it's important. So when the Gallup, George Gallup, most noted statistical group, when they speak, institutions listen. So that's why they was informing us that 80% of the respondents said that the father is the most serious problem in a household, the father not being there. Listen, Dr. Paul Vitz, now he's a renowned professor emeritus of psychology at New York University. Now he wrote a book called Faith of the Fatherless. And in his book he said this, how we view our earthly fathers directly affect how we view our heavenly fathers. Same thing, again, I said, Pastor quoted some of the same things I'll be uh, bringing forth today. This that again, he's a professor emeritus. He said in his book called Faith of the Fatherless, he said in this book, how we view our earthly fathers directly affect how we view our heavenly fathers. Then you know what he did in that book? He found 13 of the most well-known atheists, and he traced their lives. And his conclusions are stunning. In every case, the atheist father died early in the child's life, or he was abusive, or he abandoned the child. In 13 of the most known atheists, I want to talk about four of them just for a quick moment. The first one I want to talk about is Frederick Nietzsche. You know, some of you, especially you school guys, you really know who he is. Frederick Nietzsche is a great 19th century German philosopher. Now he's known for that phrase that we've heard even in Christendom, God is dead. How many of you have heard that phrase, God is dead? Nietzsche created that phrase. He lost his father when he was only four years of age. He had a strong reaction against his Christian father dying early on him. He loved his dad, but his dad died when I was four years old. In other words, why did you take my dad, God? Why did you do it? And what did he do? Later on, he viewed Christianity as a weak, sickly religion. Sigmund Freud. Everybody knows Sigmund Freud. He's the father of modern-day psychiatry. He described his father as a pervert. Saints, Freud taught that he believed that the belief in God is nothing more than wishful thinking. <laughs> he based his feelings on, his hev on, on, on a heavenly father on the actions of what his earthly father did by being a pervert or being this or being that or being abusive or whatever, dying early. All of them took a crack at their earthly father and they blamed it on God. I told my wife, and she and I talk about it. We talk about a lot of things, praise God. And she and I were saying, I said, you know what? We know a few cases where the father was a Christian man, loved God, loved his children, and he died. And I, I have a strong intuition, Pastor. That's just me, like you and I say, man of God. Just a strong intuition. I love that. They prayed for the healing of their dad. And we talk about three or four different cases. But God 
permitted them not to live because he's sovereign. He knows all. His thoughts are not ours. <laughs> Amen. So God took the, them, them home. And the kids, we might different situations, went back out into the world, just enjoying the world. And it's hard for me to understand, not being funny. We grew, they, we're talking about adult kids. They grew up knowing God. Dad, in Jesus' name, Father, heal them. Let your healing virtue flow. And saints, sometimes I try to tell my friends, I said, listen, when a man or woman done serve God, and, and sometimes you can hear it if you listen, they really want to go home. I never forget about a situation, Church of God in Christ, they're prelate. Pre, I, they're prelate. I knew one of his top lieutenants. I served with him for a while. The saints kept praying. <laughs> he would not die. They had a 24-hour vigil in the hospital. He would not pass. And God permitted him to open his eyes and his mind and his voice to speak. And he looked at his lieutenant and he said, would you tell the saints to stop praying? And as soon as they stopped praying, he was out of here. He was like Paul, caught betwixt two in Philippians. I want to stay. I want to go. I've been there. I've seen what it's like. I really want to get back. But I got so much revelation in me. I got to stay. Then when you look at 2 Timothy, <laughs> see you, wouldn't want to be you. Can you imagine the guy standing at Paul at the, well, I remember they, they had him on each side. And he was down in the, you know, they had him. And they looked at him, Paul, <laughs> Nero's going to behead you tomorrow. Paul said, good, I get to be with Christ. All right, what if Nero let you live a few more weeks? I get to preach the gospel. And that's the same attitude we have to have as sons and daughters of God. If I die, I'm in the presence of the Lord. In a matter of seconds, I'm in his presence, which is far more better. But if I stay, <laughs> okay, I hang around for a while. It'll give me a chance to preach the gospel. And that's what's going on. So, Saint, think about what he was saying. Listen, the last two is the Russian leader. Some of you know Joseph Stalin and the German leader, Adolf Hitler. Their fathers beat them mercilessly. Stalin joined communism because communism rejected God and all other higher authority. And we know what Hitler did. Six million Jews by the German regime. Come on, that's a my God. <laughs> People ask that question sometimes. Okay, if I go to hell, am I going to burn like Hitler? No, I believe there are degrees of burning in hell, just like there's a deg degrees of rewards in heaven. But you, you don't want to go there nevertheless. Amen? Saints, today there are consequences of the removal of fathers from the lives of their children. I want to give you a few of the consequences, again, from a statistical point of view. 40% of divorced mothers reported that they punish their ex-spouse by not permitting them to visit their child. 40%. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with displaced anger comes from fatherless homes. 70% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And last but not least, 85% of all youth sitting in prisons come from fatherless homes. And we keep saying, where are the fathers? Saints, the picture I just drew from a national statistics isn't a pretty picture, isn't it? But cheer up, saints. There is hope. Turn to, as I said before, look at 
Luke 15 chapter. We're going to spend a little time there. I want to show you a heavenly father's perspective. In Luke 15, we're going to look first at verse 24. The word of God says in Luke 15, 24, my son was dead and is alive, but he was lost and is found. Saints, in this picture, the prodigal son, Jesus is telling us that this parable about this young man who wasted everything, his inheritance, he wasted his opportunities, his father's trust, and he ended up working for a Gentile slopping hog. And we know what that's like to a Jewish person. He ended up working for a Gentile slopping hog. The word of God states that he came to himself and repented of his foolish act. Now I stop there with the dot because I love how the Bible said he came to himself and he repented of his foolish act. And sometimes, Pastor, like we were saying, you get various questions. Colleagues may say, but Dr. Mike, God forgave this guy with all the foolishness he's doing if you're going to apply it with God being the spiritual father when we commit sins and stuff. God, But what about Esau? Take a look. Don't, like I say, stay where you are. Like I said, I'm going to make a venture to a couple of verses, but I'll come back home. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17, listen at this. Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, doesn't that sound like repentance? Stay with me for a second. Look what it says. He sought it carefully with tears. Another question they say is, then what about Judah? You know, when, when he did what he did for Jesus. Okay, that's Matthew's 27th chapter. Stay where you are, like I said. Matthew's 27th chapter, verse 1 through 3. Listen at this. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, meaning Jesus, repented himself. Look, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now, both of those things, the people said they repented to themselves. Isn't that amazing? Then why didn't God forgive them? You know why? Because their repentance wasn't a biblical repentance. Their repentance is this. Let me use an idiomatic expression of jargon. They did this. Esau, when he did it, he said, I can't believe I did what I did. I sold my birthright for a, a bowl of beans? How dumb was that? That was his repentance. And for Jude, um, for Judas, what did he do? God, I just sold, and he's walking around, I just, I can't believe I, what I did. I sold a righteous man for 30, am I kidding myself? You get what they did? They were sorry and remorseful. But it was not true biblical repentance. True biblical repentance is you acknowledge your sin and you cry out to God. Now that's what the prodigal son did in a natural sense. Look, what, Remember what he said? He said, the Bible said he came to himself, he repented for his foolish acts. I just want you to see the difference. That's why I took a moment for those two. Now saints, Jesus tells us through the parable of the prodigal son that Irrespective of how we have wasted our opportunities, as Pastor said this morning, 
or no matter how far we have fallen, the arms of God are still open wide, open wide to bring us home. He's a loving God. Amen? So with that in mind, keep in mind, no matter how far you've fallen, not necessarily anyone in particular we're speaking of here or viewing, but people you may know or someone in the household or whatever it may be, or you yourself, no matter how far you've fallen, saints, God has arms open wide to welcome you home, reaching out in love. Amen? And that's what Pastor was talking about this morning, praise God, when he said, God is still here. He hasn't changed. You've changed, but God hasn't. That's why people ask all the time, Dr. Mike, I found in the Bible a few places where God repented. So that means God made mistakes. I said, hold up, hold up, slow your roll. Listen, when God uses things like God's eyes or God's arms, remember God is spirit, right? The Bible speaks of those terms that we can understand in a natural sense. Remember how God said in the book of Genesis, I repent the fact that I made man? Now, if God meant he repent, like I made a mistake, I, oops, I shouldn't have done that, then God has put himself on our plane. He can't be God because God is perfect. God makes no mistakes. So when you see phrases like that, it's simply telling you God is, is saying it in a generic sense that you would understand it as a human. So when God said, I've repented of making, man, no, he's not repenting like I made a mistake. He said in a sense like, God, man, man, it sure was wicked. That's why God said what? The wickedness of the intrinsicity of the heart of man is wicked. A lot of times people are saved, they think, oh, I'm saved now, I'm a superman or superwoman. No, the only thing really saved about you is your spirit. That's the only thing saved about you. That's why the Bible said daily we are to renew our mind. Remember, your soul, that's the mind part. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, your intellect. Your mind, your will, your intellect. So that's why the Bible said we new, renew our minds each and every day. And this flesh is going back to the dirt. It's going back to the ground if the Lord delay his coming. The only thing saved about us is our spirit. That's why we have to work on this natural man. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do now, praise God, I want to talk about the four truths about God the Father that's brought out here by Jesus as he's talking in Luke 15. We're going to talk about the four truths of God the Father from this parable. All right? What's the first thing that Jesus wants to tell us about God the Father? He uses verse 20. The first thing I want you to know is God is love. That's the first thing we're going to talk about here in Luke 15, starting with uh, verse 20. Luke 15, starting with verse 20. And the first thing about God, I'm giving you four truths that Jesus brought out of this parable, parable about God the Father using the father's, the, the boy, the prodigal son's uh, father. In verse 20, the father saw his son when he was what? Still a great way off. This is a perfect picture of how long and hard that God is when we made mistakes, like we said, and we ventured out from him. His will, he still longs for communion and fellowship with us, even when we're out of his will. Nothing hurts the heart of God more, saints, than to have his children to doubt that he cared for them. Saints, who commands us, God himself, to cast all of our cares upon him? For he cares for us. God cannot lie. I tell people all the time, look in the scriptures. If God says something that you are trusting him for, hold on to it. Like at the horns of the altar, hold on to it. And tell yourself, ain't sick, 
ain't dying, ain't going nowhere. Stay the course. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course, the race, and I kept the faith. Fought, finished, kept. I love those three words. Fought, finished, and kept. That's what God is saying to us. You're in a race, son. You're in a race, daughter. Forget about those trophies and stuff in the natural sim. You're in a spiritual race. I want to hear you say on that glorious day, Father, well done, good and faithful servant. Saints, in Hebrews 10 and verse 38 and 39, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Saints, the writer of Hebrews is simply trying to uh, state what he's sharing, showing us really in verse 39, and that is none of us who draw back. We are not of those who draw back. We are not of those who draw back. This is a confident conclusion when it says we are not of those who draw back. Why? Because it tells us here in this verse, we will be those who endure and gain the promises of God. And that's what Pastor was saying this morning. If you stay the course and don't get caught up in time, well, Lord, when you're going to do it? Well, Lord, it's been a couple of months. God is not governed by time. There's no such thing in the spirit realm by time. You're the one that's governed by time, by being here in the natural realm. All of God's promises are yea and amen. amen. Yes and amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, yea and amen. All God's promises are yes and amen. And there are over 800 promises there. How many have you laid hold of? Saints, we are not of those who draw back. We are the children of God. And that's what I love about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Look what it says. <laughs> and who are the day that is making reference to? Listen, those are who are the steadfast, the unmovable, those who are always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The pastor said it this morning. God, God sees everything. And every time you do things that's pleasing in his sight, and the Bible talks about it in the book of Hebrews. It talks about literally a heavenly bank. You can go and make withdrawals from that heavenly bank. Always bring God's word back to him. Father, your word says. Your word says. Uh, my friends say, I don't talk to God like that. I do. And, and I'm not being disrespectful. That's the relationship that he and I have. I really do. He's constantly telling us, put me in remembrance. What did my word say about what you were asking me for? Well, uh, uh, last week, Pastor, Ho Pastor Horace said, <laughs> that's an interest God. No disrespect to the man of God. He knows what I mean. Because Satan is not listening to Pastor Horace when you talk. Satan wants to know how much of God's word you know. And if you don't know, and if you misquote God's word, I tell people this, and I'm being, I'm being theological when I say it, your prayers go no higher than the ceiling. No higher than the ceiling. When you are theologically wrong, and you're praying, well, Lord, that's what I heard. No, don't, don't tell me what somebody else said. What do you say about God's word? What did God's word say to you? That's why God says in Isaiah 43, 26, put me in remembrance. You know God doesn't forget. So what is he saying? He wants you to hear out of your mouth what his word says, and he wants Satan and his demonic forces to know that you know what God's word says. And he wants you to be fully persuaded. I know in whom I believe, and therefore I'm fully persuaded. 
I really am. I know in whom I believe, and I'm fully persuaded. I say that again and again, because sometimes, as Pastor said, the cares of this life will attack you. It will come in hard on you. You got to stand. You can't quote God's word, then when trouble comes, you're looking for your best friend to, to bail you out. I'm constantly saying, your word said. Your word said. Your word said. Who are you to talk to God like that? God said, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. What did I say, Mike? And I'm constantly telling him, that's what you said. He said, okay. Now you're going to stand on it. You ain't going nowhere. I'll be right here until it. And I don't put a time limit on God. Well, Lord, it's got to be done by next week, at least by 12 o'clock. The Bible says, who's wise enough to counsel God? Come on. The Bible asks you, who is wise enough to counsel holy God? So holy, the Jews don't even put vowels in his name. They just, yah. You get it? His name is so holy. You don't even put vowels. They just, yah. You know, when you think about him, like Pastor said, you're constantly, you, you almost, your knees almost buckling. That's why Paul said, I bow my knees. Paul was the one that came up with that thing about bowing. Most people, when they pray, they walked around stand up praying. Paul, when you get into the epistles, Paul says, I bow my knees before the presence of the Most High God. In other words, the anointing is so present when God is around, you bow your knees. You show something. Yada. What do you mean? <laughs> you really something else. You ever told God that? And I do. I tell him that all the time. You really something else. I do. I, tell, I, say, I really tell a holy God, and at the same time, I'm bowing my knees in his presence. I, you really are something else. Woo! You know what he told me? He put this in my spirit to say it quickly. Wife and I have always been faithful, tithes and offerings, as the man of God said, faithful to God's house. And he spoke to me one day. He said, wherever you see the wicked prospering, whether it's on TV, you hear about it, you read about it, he said, claim a portion of it. I said, now I'll decree back to you. I said, I'll decree back to you. Whatever you give me, other than my, my annuity that's you know, from retirement, whatever comes in, I promise you 25% of it. So he and I play, pardon the idiomatic expression, we play games with each other. He said, claim a portion of it when you see, you know, like Mike Milliton, the junk bond king, those others, they doing all this wicked stuff. And then things happen, as you said, Pastor, so rapidly in the earth, people forget about that. Oh, he needs to be. And then something else happens. Oh, oh, the water. Then they're over here. Then they're over here. But I said, Lord, I remember that. You told me to claim a portion. I've done it. And then I tell the angels to go to work. I said, go to the four corners of the earth and gather what the Holy Spirit permits me to have and bring it to me. And I said, then when it comes, open up my, not only spiritual, my natural eyes, that I can see it manifest into the natural. And the Lord put that in my spirit to share for whatever reason for you and, and, and first lady for whatever reason for you and first lady saints as we just said that was the first thing is that God loves us number two that comes out here in this beautiful passage about the prodigal son God receives us number one God loves us we're talking about the four biblical truths that Jesus used the prodigal son's dad to talk about our heavenly father the first thing God loves us the second one, God receives us. Again, I'm still in verse 20. Now, we just read, right? While the father's son was still a long ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. <laughs> you know what's so unique? And I love you always tell me about your trips to Israel and whatever. You know all these, the cultural things. 
I'm going to say something to you in love. You got to just, don't just read it. You got to understand it. You know what's so unique about that? The prodigal son's dad was a man of prestige. And you know what the culture says about him? You don't run. You don't run. You walk. You walk. He could have walked to, to meet his son. The Bible says here, he ran. He ran to meet his son. And then fell down on him and just kissed him. You know what it meant when he said it kissed him? If you go again, the culture, look at the Jewish culture, it means this. Now remember, the father was dignified. He should have walked and met, met his son. The Bible said he ran. <clears throat> Unusual. You don't do that. Not with his stature. And then the Bible said he kissed him repeatedly. You know what that means? You know how we, you do crow a lot. That's what it means. He didn't just meet his son and just like, oh, glad to have you home, son. He, all over his forehead and everywhere. Like you mothers do your little babies when you're playing with them. Jesus wanted that to be brought out. He didn't just kiss him like, glad to have him. No, he, he repeatedly kissed him to show him he seriously missed him. That's what that's saying. Son, I seriously missed you. And how do we know that? Look, in Luke, same chapter, Luke 15, chapter, verse 7. Listen at this. Jesus said there would be great joy in heaven when the angels and God over one sinner that repents. So you see what it, how, how that applies to the Father? When you return home, God is not bringing up your past. The Bible says he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. So when you travel east, you're traveling. When you go west, oh, you're just like, when did this thing end? So God is saying what? I don't, what are you talking about? Show me what you did. Well, Lord, I just came back and I repent. God said, what did you do? It's under the blood. I'm not going to bring it back up. So why are you still doing it? Why are you letting Satan take that tape recorder in your brain and constantly bringing these things back to your remembrance? Why are you doing that? Well, I remember when I, no, no, that rascal dead. And part my English, he dead. Yeah. I was at his funeral. He dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Two more. So what's the third truth that Jesus wants to introduce us to concerning our heavenly father through the prodigal son? God restores us. <laughs> Saints, God restores us. Look at verse 22. Now remember now, after the prodigal son knew that he was welcome home, a number of blessings were restored upon him in succession. Look at verse 22 of St. Luke. First, his father put his best robe on him. Keep in mind that each of these fatherly gifts says something about the uniqueness of the acceptance of the father receiving his son back home. Okay, the first thing he put on him was what? The robe. Now, this was a full-length robe, saints. In those days, this particular robe was reserved for the guest of honor in someone's house who had a, a place of position. It's as if the governor himself or a king came by the prodigal son's dad's house, that role would be ready for him because it shows that someone of, of importance has stepped into my house. Saints, think about what we just said, praise God. It represents power and prestige. It's obvious that this prodigal son was being welcomed back to his former position as an heir, not as a slave, as an heir. Now remember now, when he left, he told dad, give me everything, give me all my stuff. I'm out of here. And his dad gave him all. And we know that because what? We're not going to talk about the other brother. Hey, wait a minute. Why are you doing all that for him? 
He left. I'm still here. We're not going to get to that part. We just want to show you God's love when one of his children returns home. Amen. So like I just said, praise God, it's obvious that he's been welcomed back to his former position as an heir in that house. And don't, don't spend all of this stuff. What's the second thing his father gives him? A ring. Now, a ring is a symbol of identity and authority. This ring is a symbol of identity and authority. <laughs> Remember now, he was an outcast. And he's back, got a robe, got his dad's ring on. And what's the third thing? Sandals. Saints, to truly understand the significance of sandals, you have to go back to Luke chapter 15 and verse 15. Listen at this. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 15, where it says the prodigal son, it says, join himself to a citizen of that country. You see it? It's in Luke 15, 15. It said the prodigal son joined himself, joined himself to a citizen of that country. You know what that means when you look at it from a theological perspective? It means when it says join himself, it meant that he was taken into slavery. That's what that means. Go look it up. He was actually taken into slavery. That's what that means, praise God. And what are we saying about the sandals? Once a slave, you know the first thing they do? They take the shoes off. Why? Keep him from being in flight. Same thing you're saying again about slavery. Like I told you, a lot of times, God have us on the same page. I honor you for that, for being that sensitive. And the Spirit of God honors you. Think about it. What they do with slaves? Take your shoes. Take your sandals. You can't run. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, successfully because all the things out there in the bushes and whatever. So that's what he did. They took his sandals. So what did the father do? He restored him and gave him sandals back, which indicate you're no longer a slave. You are full heir. And that's what God tells us. He tells us we're no longer, uh, uh, we're, we're no longer alienated from him. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen? Saints, by giving him sandals, this signifies his full restoration to sonship. And even though he had wasted all of his inheritance, Jesus also shows us in this parable that God not only loves us, but receives us as forgiven sons. Now, whatever you may have done, look, whoo-hoo, I'm not bringing it back up. If God done forgot me, I'm going to forgive him. And, of course, Satan's going to do his job, and that's constantly bring you remembrance. You know, hey, 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 you was in the light club last night. You was in the night club last night. Remember the story that I think Pastor Horace and I both tell different, because uh, it's told several different ways, about how the pastor uh, told his congregation that how smart parrots are. And he said, I'm going to bring mine something to show you. And that Saturday night, it was cleaning the cage and left the window open and the parrot flew out. And that Sunday morning before Pastor and First Lady headed to service, the bird flew back into the window. And the pastor said, I kept, I'm going to keep my word to the congregation. I'm going to take you this time. So he took the parrot in his cage, set it up on the platform there at the pulpit, and he talked in his sermon. And he said, watch this. Polly, congregation. Polly looked out, woo-hoo, congregation. Everybody clapped. He said, Polly, pastor. Polly said, woo-hoo, pastor. Everybody clapped. He said, Polly, official board. Polly didn't say anything. He said, Polly, official board. Polly didn't say anything. He, the pastor was getting sort of irritated. He said, Polly, official board. Polly looked up at him and said, nightclub. <laughs> he said, no, 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 official board. Paulie said, nightclub. He said, why are you saying that? He said, same crowd, same crowd. So we know where Paulie was that night. He was up in the law. <laughs> he, he got facial, facial recognition. I know it's a story told, but it's told that way to, to let people know 
your sins will find you out. That's what, that's what the whole purpose of that. Your sins will find you out. Saints, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it in Jesus Christ. So what are we saying? Don't feel like, like Pastor said, that you're going to be thrown on the wayside. God has no more use for you. You're going to be restored. God's going to put you back in service. You're going to become a greater influence than you probably were just starting off. Because now you really know when I look back where the Lord has brought me from. And people always say, I got salvation. Well, they always use the phrase salvation in terms of being saved. But salvation really means four things. Salvation means when somebody said, I have salvation, they're saying, I have healing, I have preservation, I have deliverance, and I have a sound mind. That's what salvation, we always use it just for, I'm, I'm saved, I got salvation, I'm saved. No, when you have salvation, you'll say what? God heals you. God preserves you. God delivers you, and God gives you a sound mind. So that's, that's what salvation really means. So God the Father promises us these blessings until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day of the rapture of the church when we receive our new bodies. Amen? So last but not least, and thank you for your time. So what's the fourth thing that Jesus tells us? What's the fourth truth that Jesus pulls from that parable about the Father and applies it to, like I said, our Heavenly Father? God rejoices over us. Oh, I felt that one too. Ooh, glory. Like, Lord, why do, we, why do we always feel like we want to bring up our past and God said, I don't remember that. Like, you, you don't forget anything. He said, yes, I do. I elect not to remember that because didn't you put it under the blood? So why are you still talking about it? AJ has a friend, and I honor her myself, beautiful young lady. She took drugs when she was young. And very smart before holy God. You know, not being funny. You've been around intellectual people. You know, you know they're smart. But she's a smart young lady. But she got caught up in drugs at an early age. And sometimes she'll call AJ and AJ, like I said, her counseling, doctoral counseling kicks in very much in that area. She'll mention, she'll say, you know so-and-so hit me in the face with a basketball? And we talking about, what, about 25, 30 years ago. And she, but I'm just saying how drugs can really mess you up. But AJ has always said, so-and-so, so-and-so. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But see how she keeps going back to that? So it's almost like Satan tried to get us to keep going back. Yeah, remember when you took drugs? Remember when so-and-so? God is telling us, I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. Stop bringing it up, because I'm not going to bring it up. You stop bringing it up. Saints, again, like I said, the fourth thing is that Jesus wants us to come up truth is God rejoices over us. As I said earlier, in Luke uh, 15, chapter, verse 22, the last article that the father uh, returned to his son was a pair of sandals. I'm going back to the sandals in the conclusion. In the Old Testament, it was the custom of the people in grief to remove their shoes as a symbol of their sorrow. Catch it, catch it. In the Old Testament, that was a symbol. You take your shoes off. You not only, you know, sackcloth and ashes, but you took your shoes off, your sandals off, to show people I'm grieving and I'm in sorrow. So in the story of the prodigal son, the father replaces the shoes back on the son's feet. He was making an announcement to his son, the period of grief is over, the time of rejoicing has come. Because remember he said, kill the fatted calf and, and let's party, my boy home. Saints, Jesus also used this parable to show us two things. You have a state with God 
the Father, and you have a standing. Your standing is through the blood of Jesus. It will always be perfect. Your standing will always be perfect. You're a son or daughter of the Most High. Our state can fluctuate. You know how sometimes we get frustrated about something, or you say something you really didn't mean to say, but your flesh permitted you to say it anyway? That's why sometimes God tells us, we call it, uh, what, callous conscience. When the Holy Spirit said, don't say that. Don't go there if I was you. I wouldn't do that. Well, Lord, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And God said, I really wouldn't do that <laughs> if I was you. So we call it a callous conscience. So here, you see what happened, how the father gave him his sandals back, praise God. And then he moved into the state of, of what I just said, of your standing with God in your state. Your standing will always be perfect. Your state can fluctuate at times because what? We have shortcomings in our lives that we need to repent of and put back ourselves in positions of fellowship with God the Father. <clears throat> Saints, in my conclusion, God the Father wants us as earthly dads to find ways to help close the touch, be very close with our children, praise God, or risk having our children take the anger of God through what you are doing and how you're treating them. They'll see God the same way. We also, as Christian men, have a responsibility to reach out to the fatherless children in our community and congregation and become substitute dads as figure fathers, role models. As fathers, we have a unique calling to lead our children in the right direction. Each of our children is different, and each will answer a calling that is per perhaps unexpected, as Pastor said earlier about being tainted. Saints, of course, all of them are experiences that God will take us through. The world right now is pulling on you, praise God. But we have to stay focused to God. And when you get in a hard place, all God wants you to do is bring his word back to his remembrance. All God wants you to do is be obedient. All God wants you to do is say what my words say. Father, thank you for the time that Pastor Horace and Pastor Pat permitted your servant to come and share a few spiritual nuggets with your sons and your daughters. I pray that deaf ears were open and scales were moved from their eyes, that they can hear and see what the Spirit is saying at this hour. We're at 11.59 on your prophetic time clock. 12 midnight, the church has raptured out. There are some things that you have put on our heart in terms of an urgency, and we are to do them quickly. Continue to plead the blood of Jesus, Father, over each and every one. We pull back every satanic stronghold that would try to rise up as we go forward from this day. I pray that some of the things I said this day that you will burn them into the hearts and minds of your people. And as they leave this place today, even though they're going to spend time, quality time with family, bring it back to their remembrance. Have them to look at someone they may know and just love up on them. Why are you doing that? Just want to let you know I love you. Yeah, but we at odds. I love you, man. I love you, man. And just hug them, Father, until the Holy Spirit saturates them. Good God from glory. Just let it be so this day. And Father God, if you do these things, you know, you know, we'll be ever so careful just to say thanks. And all God's people say it, amen. To God's glory. At this time, would you join me in receiving Pastor Horace back to the pulpit, please?
Wow. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap. Uh, excellent, excellent, excellent word. Um, as you heard Dr. Mike share with us today, you know, God loves us. God is standing even now to receive all of us. Heaven is waiting for the party to begin. Because you know what the Bible says about heaven? It says all of heaven rejoices when even just one soul comes in. I believe many souls are here today that need to come in to be able to get the shoes that God has for you. The Bible says God wants to shard your feet with the gospel of peace. God wants to clothe you in his righteousness. God wants you to give you this new armor that the devil cannot penetrate. And so this is why it's so important. When you hear God's voice, the scripture says, don't harden your heart. I want everybody to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to think about the fact that I believe you're here. I believe you've heard something. I believe you've been here perhaps many times and you've heard messages. I believe that you're here because you believe that there is a God. I believe that you believe that there is a heaven. I believe that you know there is a hell. I believe that if I will ask the question of you, how many of you want to go to heaven, I am convinced that most of you would raise your hand, if not all of you, this morning. But you cannot just get there by warning. I remember as a kid standing in front of an ice cream shop. I didn't get no ice cream because I was standing there because I wanted it. I got it, got it, because I went in and I actually received what that person was willing to give me that day. I remember that clerk saying to me, I've been watching you and here. I didn't have to pull any money out of my pocket. Matter of fact, I didn't even have any. You don't have to have money to receive today. You don't have to have a whole list and, 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 and resume of works that you've done to receive today. All you have to do is to say, here am I, Lord. And there may be someone here today, that's what's in your heart. Here am I, Lord. You can't pay for this. All the money in the world won't get you what you can get for free. And God wants to freely give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But when you hear that, don't harden your heart. Let your heart be open and say, come. The Bible says the spirit and the bride literally are saying, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Let him come into your heart. Let him come into your life. Those of you who are listening in and you're viewing through social media, this invitation is for you as well. Come to the Lord. Stretch your hands out toward God, everyone. Just stretch them out to God. And you know, uh, many times I've said it so often, you're just saying, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all, all to Jesus. See, we... I got tired of just messing up my life. And that's what I was doing. I was making a mess out of it. But Jesus came 
and made crooked places straight. And so let him make your life straight. You can't do it yourself. Some people make statements like, I'm going to wait until I get myself together. You cannot get yourself together. Only Jesus can. And so, Father, we thank you this day, and we declare we're surrendered to you. We yield to you. Father, some are making this statement to you for the first time, and I thank you for helping them to know that this promise that you made to them is a forever promise. It takes them into eternity. Now, God, I pray that each person that receives Christ will get into a local church and stay connected to a teaching word so that they go from that stage of being a child and into a mature adult, moving from milk of God's word to meat of God's word. And Father, may your kingdom come and only your will be done for each one. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Fathers, again, happy Father's Day to you. Those who are here, those who are viewing, those who may be still just resting. But at the same time, be blessed, be blessed. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.com. Dot .org